You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Super excited to bring you Paul Yukubian today, who is the co-founder, CEO of Copy.ai. And I've been following him for quite a while. And uh, Paul, I mean, I've been observing you kind of building in public. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first and foremost, welcome. And then welcome to the Clubhouse audience as well. Thanks, Eric. It's, it's nice to be here. Awesome. So by the way, Clubhouse audience, feel free to raise your hand if you've got questions. I'll pull you up in a little bit. I think this is super exciting. There's a lot of you know exciting stuff going on in the world of, um, if you want to call it AI, there's GPT-3 stuff going on and all that. So can you tell us at its essence, Paul, what is copy.ai? How does it work? And you know, talk about maybe some key benefits too. Sure. So our platform is an AI copywriting tool, and we, we can help you generate very common use case marketing material. So like product descriptions, blog posts, ideas, Facebook ad copy, Google ad copy, and then like up and down the social media mix. So we have like carousel post generators, which can give you like a script or an idea of, of what you can do like on Instagram or TikTok. And we have a, a, right now like 50 plus tools and we keep launching more tools. And our mission is basically to help make it easier for our users to market their companies and their products very easily online. And we have a, a natural bias towards organic marketing. So you'll see a lot of uh, emphasis around like actual organic posts and things you can do without having to spend a bunch of money on ads. So. We think that that really comes first. Like once you nail your narrative and know what's resonating and engaging to your audience, then you have this con like it's easier to build that content strategy around paid. So for our users, they they've never really had the ability to generate marketing copy just by like a simple description of their product or their service. And we're using GPT-3 to power the AI part of our platform. And that's the, basically the, the most groundbreaking technology we've seen in the past like 10 years. Cool. That's amazing. So, so Paul, can you give some, maybe some practical examples, maybe talk to some case studies just so some people can, people here can, can wrap their heads around how they might use copy.ai or other tools that are similar? Yeah, sure. So the main case studies are like in terms of performance, you know, you, you might be running ad campaigns on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, so the thing that you want to do is always be like split testing your copy and make, making sure that you have like the highest performing copy you can. But for a lot of people, they just can't, it, it's hard for them to go create a, like a new copy that they might not have even thought of and test it. So you can use our tools to generate these ad variations like instantly. And you can actually start testing these out. So we've had a number of like e-commerce companies, drop shippers using our tool to generate their ad copy variations and finding higher ROAS in those campaigns that they're running. And so for them, it's like one less thing they need to even think about when they're setting up their ad campaigns. God, so I mean, that's a core case study. The second one is really around like social media content generation in particular, like Instagram captions. Those are really hard for people to write. And we have a tool that helps you do that. So if 
like the whole point of our tool is to help you improve your social media content, but also allow you to post things that are more relevant to your audience. So when you're describing your product and your audience, it's actually going to give you personalized copy ideas. Amazing. So can you explain, you know, I mean, at its essence, this, this tool, I mean, that the product that you have basically helps people save a ton of time, right? And imagine you can do this at scale if you have, you know, thousands of things that you need, you know, captions for, or your social media stuff. I mean, it's hard to come up with captions at times. I mean, even just using copy.ai, you'll come up with a lot of inspiration, you'll be able to move a lot faster. So I, I think it's given that this is super helpful. But can you explain what GPT-3 is just in kind of simple layman's terms? Sure. So GPT-3 is the third iteration of this text transformer AI neural network model. To basically simplify that as much as I can, a company called OpenAI, which is partially backed by Elon Musk, raised a billion dollars. And their mission is to build a thinking computer. So what they did is they downloaded like 10% of the internet. So that's all the text, all of Wikipedia, really high quality content and tried to and built a language prediction model so that if you feed in a few words they can run those words through the model and the model will predict what comes next so it's like a big autocomplete tool so they built gpt1 and 2 and open sourced it and that's part of their mission was to democratize access to these ai tools because at the moment, only like Facebook, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, only they can afford to build these models out, but they don't actually let anybody else use them. So they're all using them internally to become, you know, even wealthier as companies. And then like a, if you're a small business, you don't have access to it. So a big part of OpenAI's mission was democratizing access to these AI tools. So. Once they built these autocompletes, it was it was more of a novelty. Like GPT-2 was very interesting, but you had to wade through like a lot of nonsensical results, like nine out of 10 times. But one time there's like a shred of, of something there that kind of makes sense and you, it gets you excited. So we had, we had used some of those GPT-2 tools um, for like dozens of hours playing around with that. And what, what I realized was its ability to be creative was unlimited, like absolutely unlimited. And that was, that to me was the game changer. So when they launched GPT-3, they made the model 100 times the size. So instead of having nine out of 10 results being nonsensical, it's only like maybe two out of 10 are nonsense results. So the rest of them might not, like five out of 10 might not be very good, but like three out of 10, will actually solve the problem that you have. So that to me was like a, this phase shift in the internet. And I had tweeted about this when they launched the model in July. To me, we never had the ability to draw on human, like all the human knowledge that's online. You couldn't draw on that to like s express yourself, to say something, to write for you. Just never, that had never been possible. So what people do from like a marketing standpoint is you might have a competitor's website and you go and you look at their copy and then you try to like not plagiarize it exactly, but kind of come up with your own words and your own spin on what they're saying. Like that's something that people do even when 
you're a student, you're writing an essay, you're paraphrasing from like multiple books or sources to build this essay out. This model is pre-trained on 172 billion data parameters. This model has already read all that content and can already produce for you original content outputs that you, that you want. And that's like putting the power of the internet at your fingertips. Got it. I love that. Thanks for the explanation, Paul. So can you share, I mean, you're doing this thing right now where you're, you know, in, in tech building in public, right? That's, I think in tech Twitter, everyone's talking about that. And you're openly sharing your metrics every single month on Twitter, you know, what MRR looks like, MRR growth rates, users, and then you're all, you're basically putting your investor letter out in public, right? So can you talk a little bit as to kind of what is in that letter and the psychology as to why you decided to do that? Because some people might argue that it might be risky to put your stuff out there when you're kind of still, you know, starting out and growing. Yeah, so I, this is not something that I created. So I looked to Elon Musk for inspiration on this. So one of the questions I had was, how come Elon is so successful with the most impossible projects that never end up really failing at some big scale? And I looked at his Twitter account. He has like, I don't know, 60 million followers or something. And his companies have like, Twelve, you know, 12, 15 million or something for Tesla. And I was like, how is it possible? Like, basically, it's this person. People want to follow the journey of a person in the mission they're on. And when you look at Elon, he can be himself. And that actually allows him to do and work on the projects that he cares about. And in turn, he's able to attract resources to that mission when he's mission focused. So every, every project he, he works on has that core mission focus. And that is really motivating to people. So when you put the mission out there and you're very public about it, like even when he said he's in manufacturing hell, like everybody is thinking, oh, well, Tesla could go bankrupt, right? And he had people betting against his company and betting against his stock. And he comes out and says, yeah, this is the hardest thing we've ever had to do. And it's not easy. And, it, and there are lots of it, lots of pieces of this that aren't going well. At that point, he basically pulled his company out by being very upfront and open and transparent about what he was doing. So when I saw this, I'm like, okay, this, this platform, this Twitter platform has allowed him to execute on the hardest missions that humans have to basically have to succeed on. Like, with electrification of cars for climate, the, you know, going to Mars, all that. If you're more open about the mission you're on, people will want to follow along. People will support you. People will want to invest in your company. They'll want to be customers. They'll want to try out your product. They'll want to work for you. And that's how, how you go recruit resources. What I didn't realize, so I started building in public and each, each time um, my co-founder Chris and I would launch a product, we would get more and more followers and more trial signups. And we were just launching them on Twitter. We, we didn't even do anything else. Then we realized that this, the audience you're building and the people that are following you, that's like a long, that's a huge long-term advantage when you're a founder, but you can't, you can't just go get followers. Like people, you have to be, you have to treat everybody with respect. You have to be you know, everybody's a human. So 
I know everybody does want more followers, but like the best part of doing this has been a, been being able to build a community around yourself, which is what your followers are and doing that out in the open and in public. And people have been so amazingly supportive that there's no chance I would ever build anything not in public again. And so part of that is when you're building and you're trying to basically build your audience, build it, build interest in what you're, what you're working on the product and the company. Each time you do something, it adds, you know, it adds more followers. It adds more of like, you're growing this community. It's, it's growing in real time and it's organic. And I think that's way overlooked. So if you're a, You've seen a lot of founders that haven't done that. So one example would be Vlad from Robinhood. So he almost blew up his company because he keeps his understanding of his user base. Like he's just not connected enough to it, I think on Twitter. And that's, that's a problem. So you would think somebody with, I don't know how many users they have, like 10 million users or something would have more than 25,000 followers on Twitter that you would think that they would be engaging them head on all the time and have that pulse of the community. But it's, it's also easy to, to miss that. And then you make these huge errors in, um, in communication. So one, one of the things that people will do, they'll tweet, like they'll tweet bug reports at you. Like one person tweeted at us, Hey, you guys have a dark pattern with your privacy policy. There's no, or there's no way to opt out of your cookies. And that's like in a, in one of my tweet threads. And so I just see, like, I, I mentioned Chris and like Chris fixed it in like five minutes and we like thanked him for it. So you have the ability to take really bad negative things that most people are scared of and flip it in, and show everybody in real time that, doesn't exist in the real world. Cool, Paul. So world, I, I want to, yeah. I want to, um, I want to kind of talk about this real quick and then come back to the GPT three and the the copy that AI stuff. So okay. can you talk about, you know, maybe even your last report? Can you share what some of the stuff that you put in that report and then kind of share how the business is doing today because you've been building in public? I just want to get a people. I want people to get a sense of how transparent you are. Yeah, let me pull it up. Okay. So yeah, so every month on on the first of the month, I'll report our results from the last month. And the first time we did it, like we had just started, I think two weeks, we were just two weeks in and started doing it. So this last one, I'm going to pull it up. So we report our monthly recurring revenue, the number of signups in the month. We report like product updates, like how many tools we launched, other features. We report usage of the tools. And then I have a like building in public section. So I'll report like our Twitter stats and then uh, gave some shout outs to some other founders building in public and then like media mentions and then like what we're doing to give back to the community. So our investor, our actual investor update is, is almost identical to that. And plus you're asking for help in these reports too, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's right. And sometimes I like ask, if anybody else needs help and then people will respond to that. Got it. Too. Okay. So how, I mean, how's the company doing today and how long have you been around? Cause this is still really new. I think you guys launched in what it has to be like October August, right? 15th. 
October. Okay, there you go. So um, October 15th, you guys launched. What are you guys at right now in terms of monthly recurring revenue? We, we're at 44000 Wow. Incredible. Right. So 44,000 right there. I mean, but let's just call it, you know, for simplicity's sake, let's just call it half a half a million bucks in, in annual recurring revenue or ARR. And it's still growing very rapidly. I mean, your growth rate is what was it last month, month over month? 50%. 50%. So that, that's crazy. Right. So here's, here's a question uh, I have, Paul. So, and you know, Chris will pull you up in, in, in a little bit when it comes to questions. And those of you that have questions, feel free to hit the raise hand button. Cause I will pull you up after the interview. And so, the GPT three because it's it's open right. You have you do have quite a bit of competitors, and you know there are people that are that have different marketing tools that have hit me up recently saying they're doing this, and so I'm seeing a lot of your competitors popping up. Is that a concern? Because one thing that's in the back of my mind, thinking about this stuff, is is this going to kind of just be become table stakes where everyone has access to GPT three and they can pump out captions quickly? And you know everyone's. I mean, people using it now they have the early adopters edge, but are they going to lose that edge fairly quickly? Is that something you're thinking about? Is that even a concern people should be worried about? Uh, I think we would be more worried about that than anyone else. <laughs> you know, because that's our business. We knew that there were competitors when we launched. We knew that there would be even more. So, and we're only like, we're not even four months in. So there's obviously like this huge product roadmap that that we have ahead of us. And we know we can just keep executing on it. Got it. I mean, so, yeah, you know, I, I think there's still I don't a like having more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't like having more competitors, but at the end of the day, you, you we will have an advantage here soon just just in the in like this the user base size and all like all that so you you will have a yeah it's going to get harder to get people's attention for these tools that's kind of what it comes down to got it so first movers advantage i mean this is this is the advantage of building in public yep i think both of those yeah well here's the thing right because i've I've talked to one of your competitors and they're trying to you know go through acquisition talks right now and multiples are, are, are nuts right and people are actually willing to pay them and so again, like I'm just trying to think about it from your perspective. It's like, yeah. oh, dude, I, yeah, give me, hey, hit me up with an acquisition offer. <laughs> let me let me know what that is. Yeah, no, I'm mean, look there 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 are enough that I'm sure some of them would would sell their companies. So yeah, yeah cool. So I mean, how are you guys? You know, because usually. I, I like to talk about marketing, right? So, you know, you guys are building in public. I think that's great because a lot of people are retweeting and you're getting a lot of organic reach from it. What else are you guys doing that that's been super effective? I mean, you're doing podcasts, you're hanging out in clubhouse. What else? Everything like literally any, any social media platform is where you can get organic reach without spending money. What are you doing specifically? Like you, you do, you do interviews, you do, um, you know, YouTube videos, you do TikToks, you do Instagrams, LinkedIn, all of it. I've been a big believer in hitting one platform really hard. And for me, that's been Twitter because everybody that's on Twitter is on all these other platforms too. So you can actually build an advantage just by being persistent on Twitter. But we, we don't really run, you know, we don't, we're not really running a bunch of ads right now. Got it. Cool. And so for those people in the audience, I didn't talk about the business model yet, but how do you guys make money? And those people that want to test it out, you, you actually do something where you, I think every weekend you do something and I don't want to set expectations or what I've seen is you've given it away for free sometimes. So can you talk about kind of the pricing model and then kind of how that thing might work if you're still doing it, the free stuff? Sure. Yeah. We have a seven day free trial for all of our plans. And then 
some weekends we'll like open up access to the platform, even if your trial expired. And usually that's coinciding with like new product launches. And then it's like 35 a month if you pay for the whole year and then 49 a month if you just go month to month. There you go. I mean, it's really reasonable for all the time saved, right? So that is cool. So on on my side too, I, I guess I'm wondering in terms of business trends, right? Because you are, again, you're very active on Twitter. And actually, before I talk about business trends, I was talking to the founder of 8sleep today and another founder of a community startup today. And I, I know for 8sleep at least, Actually, both of them are very active on Twitter. And I asked them how they're growing and they said Twitter. And I think it's it just makes a lot of sense. It just depends on, you know, I, I think for SEO or SEOs or content people, they're hanging out on Twitter. So it makes sense for Paul to be hanging out on Twitter and talking to people. Same thing with, you know, tech Twitter. If we're talking about sleep optimization, a lot of the nerds are going to be hanging out there. So sure. I, a lot of people sleep on Twitter, but just because they're not as big as the other platforms, it's, it's not as big. But I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. How do you think about it? Yes, like you have hundreds of millions of people on Twitter, you know, so it, it has this natural like distribution reach that you can hit. So I'll give you, let me just finish up on that. Our investor update, our investor update had over 200,000 impressions on it. And that's like, that's going to far exceed the impressions you'd get if TechCrunch picked you up. So TechCrunch has got, you know, great like, domain authority for seo but at the end of the day if you just want people to be more aware of of your company i mean how many people would have thought an investor update would get like 600 plus likes like that that's absolutely insane so two hundred thousand just on an investor update it just you know people rally yeah. around you when you're building in public too i think the you know overall the the reward outweighs the risk in my opinion but i i do get pushback sometimes from from people in you know different companies they're just like no we, we can't afford to share it right so anyway it is what it is your mileage may vary um so business trends i think i think it comes i would say it comes down to your ability to innovate if you're in a low innovation environment you really don't you can't give anyone any edge if that makes sense so we're we're in a high innovation environment where you want are shooting for a distribution advantage and I, I just don't see downsides for this particular project. Yeah. Totally. Like, like I said, your mileage may vary, just depends. So business trends, what are you super excited about? I mean, obviously GPT-3, building in public, copy.ai. What else are you excited about? The creator economy, passion economy. You know, I think new business licenses. I don't know if you saw the stats in Q2, Q3 and Q4, but they exploded. They absolutely exploded. And I think everybody on the planet now is trying to think about how they can earn some income on the side and have something that can grow into a company that they can do full time. And I think that's that's what gets me excited. It's what gets my co-founder Chris excited. We were both doing venture capital and angel investing for the past five years. And a core part of our mission is really to enhance human creativity so that people can go create more interesting products, more interesting services and we can build this awesome future. Awesome. Amazing. So, by the way, Eric Wu just joined us. Eric, I'm going to pull you up in a second because Eric's one of the, at least in my opinion, one of the world's best SEOs. So I'm sure he's going to have some input on this as well. So working towards wrapping up, Paul, what would be your favorite business book? You know, I've always thought it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And for the reason that it, it presents people with, I think, a, a more proper mindset around entrepreneurship. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's but, the that's the one book where unconsciously I've been, I've been repeating. There's like these acronyms that I repeat every morning. I've just done it since age 23. So I don't really remember the book at all besides those those five letters. But yeah, great book. So and then, by the way, guys, we are going to go into Q&A and then I'll, I'll pull Chris and Eric up and then we can kind of just go around. I see some hands raised. Feel free to raise your hands. So favorite business tool. Probably would be uh, Slack. Okay, wonderful. Easy enough. All right, Paul, what's the best way for people to find you online and learn more about copy? Uh, you can go on Twitter and follow me at Paul Yacoubian, Y-A-C-O-U-B-I-A-N. Can I have my DMs open? I'll keep them open as long as possible. Perfect. Easy enough. All right. So, Paul, this is awesome. So, now we're going into our second part of this. So, I am going to pull Chris up, Eric up, and then I know Kenner has a question. So, Chris, actually, I'm going to pull Eric up first. So, Eric, invite to speak if they want to come up. And then Chris. Cool. So, Eric, I don't know if you want to give a quick introduction on yourself real quick, and maybe you can speak to kind of what your thoughts are around GPT-3. Like, you know, I've kind of talked about it being like it kind of is it might potentially become table stakes, but obviously with product innovation, I mean, you can take it above what everyone else is doing, right? So Eric, quick intro and then your thoughts on GPT-3. Just wanted to kind of get your input. Yeah, sure. So I lead up product growth at Honey, which we just got acquired by PayPal. I've been doing SEO for 20 years, doing it at different scale and also amateur programmer. So as far as a question around like GPT-3, one, like Paul, love your service, copy.ai. I think it's like really slick, really smart. I think there's a lot of cool things that can be done with GPT-3. We just got kind of like more, like we've had beta access for a little while now. And we're looking at it from a different standpoint in the sense of being able to merge our data set that we know about consumer products, like the factual information, and then figure out ways at which we can generate new useful content for the end user that manufacturers pretty much don't do. So like, are there ways that we can either summarize or generate new content about the product itself based on reviews and factual data that we know? And of course that lends into like having unique content from the SEO standpoint for each one of your products. And then we're also looking at, are there ways in which we can, because like for us trying to generate content at scale across all the different categories that exist, we're trying to provide useful information to ground the user when they come to like like a PLP or like a cat page or something like that to basically get kind of like what you would normally see as boilerplate footer, like SEO content on the product listing pages, but how can we actually make this useful? And with our experiments with GPT-3, it's wild how like if you're using the DaVinci model, which is like the most expensive and the most trained on the most data, it generates some crazy good copy and like you can make it factually correct based on the, the inputs that you give it. And so what we're trying to do is like, just look at it more conservatively of like, we probably don't trust the machine at scale yet, but is there a way that we can augment our copy team and allow them to like, just make minor edits or just like do simple fact checking. And then can we scale people that way? I love that. I mean, that, that's a, that's a testimony if I've heard one right there. So that sounds amazing. Thank you for that, Eric. And then Chris, do you want to spend a, just like a minute or so introducing yourself and maybe you, know, you can speak to anything else that we might've missed? Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm the co-founder, uh, Paul's other half here. <laughs> I think you guys covered everything. Paul really drives the vision and, you know, yeah, he, he does a great job of explaining it in a way that everyone is excited about. And I'm just here to help answer any questions. 
Cool. I I think that's really important, right? So actually, you just mentioned Paul's vision, right? And so at the end of the day, GPT-3, you know, sure, everyone can have access to it, but it's really the founder's vision that's going to drive it above everyone else's. That's what I truly believe. It's the jockey, right? So those people that are maybe, you know, exiting, by, by the way, there's nothing wrong with exiting right now if they have a crazy multiple, but, you know, maybe signals that, you know, they don't have the long-term product vision that maybe Paul and, and Chris has. So I'm going to start pulling some people up. So Kenner, please, you got 60 seconds. My question is, and you should be coming up right now, I think. There you are. Hey there. What's your question, Kenner? Paul, it's great to, I guess, quote, meet you. I've heard really, really good things about you. It's kind of an honor to uh, be on the same <laughs> panel as you. That's pretty awesome. By the way, we use artificial intelligence for tax reductions for entrepreneurial clients. But anyway, I'm not about here, not here <clears throat> about me. Uh, by the way, since we've been talking, I've used your software for to write four different articles. So that shows how powerful the stuff is. Hopefully you like that. So that's a pretty good testimony right there, right? That's a good one. I, yeah. I do like that. Hopefully and by the way, I, I could have done a lot more, but I've been listening and anyway, but whatever. <laughs> Since AI is going to be around and it's going to be a powerful force in copywriting, what about now? What percent, and this is a tough one, what percent of articles that we read, let's say on the internet, are AI generated? I know it's a hard question, but just in general, throw something out. I, I think it's less, it's got to be less than 10% probably right now. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, you definitely are going to see this this expansion of generation that's all ai so it's going to just move way up from there you know it should move up pretty quickly yeah my thought is if you're not using ai to write copy and most of these people i assume are you know content creators etc they're um i guess i'll put it kind of frankly they're kind of idiots i mean it's the way to go it frees up a lot of time etc the best content creators are really good so they're using it more for like brainstorming and we, we work with a lot of the top content creators already just like do beta tests on these tools. So it, it will continue to get better. And by better, I really mean like more creative. So with AI generated content, it goes into two directions. One is like productivity and just massive am- amounts of generated text. So Honey is going to use it at scale, right? So you're going to get a lot of text generated that way. The other way is like, what are the things that are going to resonate with people? And my estimate of that is like, how well does that content work on social media? Because that to me is the ultimate arbiter of that content quality. So that's really what we look more at when we're building these tools. We're like, hey, how, how good can we ma- help people make their organic content? Because especially given our mission to help people start their own businesses, they don't start out with like 10 grand in the bank that they can dump into Facebook ads or Google ads, right? You got to go build that organically that audience first like that's the way to go and so these tools are going to help you do that they're going to give you ideas we just launched so this isn't this is not going to give you like word perfect text yet but you can see this progression and you can imagine where things are going to be in like five to ten years from now so i think that things do look wildly different for text generation on that kind of timeline awesome thanks guys well, thanks, Kenner. John, I, I'm guessing you two, you and Paul are related, yes? Yeah, my brother. So uh, I just want to touch on like the creativity of the Copy AI program for those of y'all who are listening and haven't used it yet. So I, I signed up for the free trial and I was on Instagram. I just started working for my parents' jewelry stores, third generation. 
And I put a picture up of me with the parents and I had a little weak caption that said something like, you know, third generation going to take over this business. And so then I put that into the copy AI thing under the Instagram caption. And it gave me one result that said, it's too bad dad is not working here anymore. He was the only one that had any business sense. And I can't wait to put my mark on the company once I get back from vacation. (laughs) so. And so like, I think that that's, that's going to touch on like the creativity part of, you know, it's, it would take a long time for even a comedian to come up with something like that. It's, it's short, it's funny. It's, you know, you, you get the picture. And I had a I question think that too. The part's you, important, you, right, John? So j- just before you ask your question, I, I think it's the fact that, you know, oftentimes when it comes to creative, it relates directly with your ad copy or even your ads in general or your video ads, right? It, it is a starting point to be able to have that part, you know, kind of taken off or like maybe 80% of the creatives done there and then you, you cover the rest of it. That is absolutely huge, right? And by the way, Paul's not paying me to say this. Uh, John, I'm guessing Paul's not paying you to say this either. So full disclosure, we're not getting paid by copy.ai for this, but John, please go ahead with your question. Oh, I was just going to ask Paul if he wanted cupcakes. I'm, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> no cupcakes. Thanks. <laughs> it, this is going to be fun, but we actually just launched, well, we had this tool called Change Tone, and you basically can write something and then change the tone of it, but we just launched a new tone for Witty, and so I threw Copy AI through it, and this is what came out. You're running out of time to get your copy written. What are you going to do? Well, have I got a solution for you? Copy AI is like your own personal Neil Patel at your service. Huh, and I thought it was hilarious. That's funny. I'll have to tell him that. So, uh, by the way, just just so I don't know how open you guys are, I'm assuming you guys are very transparent with your product roadmap too. Can you tell people what else you guys are are cooking up just to get them excited? Because again, I, I think it's it's really your vision, your guys' vision that's going to separate you from the rest. Yeah. So we're we're kind of like piggybacking on whatever OpenAI does. So the next big thing is is going to be this image generation, and it's going to unlock a lot of content opportunities. So, you know, text is good, but it only goes like, it only take you so far. A lot of people respond more to visuals. So I think that that will be the next big paradigm in AI generated content. And the, I don't know if you guys saw this Dolly blog post, but it's their, it's their image generation model. This is like quantum leap in terms of what's possible. And that, we're expecting that to be released sometime this year. Amazing. All right. Well, it doesn't seem like there's any more questions. So Paul, Chris, and John, thanks for joining today. Guys, everyone, thanks for joining this conversation. This is the first time the Leveling Up podcast was recorded on Clubhouse. I'm going to be doing a lot more. And actually, we got one more question. Daniel Priest, I'm going to pull you up and then we'll close it out. Daniel, you are up. You got 60 seconds. My question is, and I'm, I'm like delaying, waiting for him to join. There we go, Dan. Welcome. Hey, thank you very much. Okay, my question is, Paul, you've got a imagine you've got a six-year-old son who's just starting school. As a result of what you've been learning about AI in the last six months, how would you steer him differently to prepare him for a world that we're about to go into? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So I have a six-year-old too, and I think you know most of the schoolwork is already obsolete. So most of these like writing assignments where you're writing essays and whatnot, these tools can do that automatically. And so we're just in a totally new paradigm and it's going to take a while for schools to like catch up. So my thinking is that as a parent, you, you still, you want to prepare your kids for the future. And 
the future is going to look just so different that it's, it's not possible to look in the rear view mirror at like what your parents did or what even you did, but you really need to be thinking a lot more about how the future is going to play out. So one of the big trends is just this creator economy, this passion economy, the rise again of the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think these AI tools are going to help empower that in, in a big way, like not just a, a little insignificant way. So I have friends and their kids are already like putting up their own Shopify stores, their own websites. They're learning how to design with no code tools. So it's actually a lot easier for kids to pick up on all these tools than we think. You just have to show them the tools that exist. And the vision that I have and Chris shares this vision with me is you're going to see a lot of kids being able to retire before they even graduate high school, which is going to be amazing. And the interesting thing about it is, you know, when you like when people were kids and you ask them what they want to do and they grow up, they almost like always have these entrepreneurial ambitions. It's like, I want to own a candy factory. That's what I want to do. It's very, it's not like jobs or career paths and all that. Like it's very much around the cool stuff they want to do. And that is going to take a totally different type of educational system and curriculum that doesn't exist. So I, I would not look to schools to help you solve that in any aspect. So I think the number one thing I recommend to high school and college students is to get on Twitter and start following people that are building things so they can learn from them and they can get plugged into those networks. So a friend of ours, he's 12, his name's Bearcat. He's building and launching products every two days right now. So he went from 400 followers to 2,000 in two weeks. And he hit this positive feedback loop on Twitter. And now he's unstoppable. So when you project somebody like that out that has this toolkit where they can go build a website, they can build an app, they can collaborate with other people, they can launch it and promote it, that person becomes a juggernaut very quickly. And the only thing that will limit them is the scope of their ambition. Like what projects do they want to work on? And those things, it's fine to launch fun stuff, but at some point you're going to say, oh, well, if I can do all of this, what else can I do? Can I solve these in incredibly hard and important problems? And the answer to that is yes. So I'm super excited, which is like why I help promote other founders that are building in public on Twitter is to, to help everyone see that it's possible, that it can be done, it can be done quickly. Dan, does that help? Oh, I love that. And I'm slow to respond because I've got gloves on. I'm out for a very cold, cold walk in London at the moment. But that's an amazing answer. I'm going to tweet what you said, which is there's going to be a lot of kids who are retired before they finish high school. I love that. I'm certain of it. And, and we give away our product to kids too. Gonna, so they can I have, it. I have a six-year-old. So I'm going, to, I'm going to shoot for retired and able to completely retire parents. By, by the end of oh, high school. If you, if you start at six, you should be retired by the end of middle school. So that, that won't totally. be... Totally, no, no pressure. That won't be no easy. pressure, but yeah. All right, Love amazing, it. amazing question, amazing answer. All right, thank you guys <laughs> so much. Everyone, make sure you check out copy.ai. I'm going to be doing... By the way, tweet at me if you want me to be doing more of these interviews on Clubhouse. I enjoyed it. Paul, Chris, John, thanks so much. Dan, thanks so much for coming on stage. Thanks, Eric. Eric. Can I, can I uh, plug one thing before we get off? Please, plug away. 
uh, this is just a Clubhouse uh, special, but we actually have a Clubhouse biogenerator tool. So if you recently created a profile and you kind of want a profile that's like fun, filled with emojis, I suggest checking it out. It's more of a fun tool. It's like a one-time use thing and my profile is actually created with it, but I just wanted to share with people on Clubhouse. All right, guys, check it out. Follow everyone here on Clubhouse. Follow them on Twitter and all the places and we will catch you later. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having us. Take care. Thanks, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.